Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hi guys, uh, welcome. Am I on? Everyone, welcome to church. Uh, Merry Christmas. What a what a Christmas that's uh, upon us. COVID, COVID again. Uh, I thought it was almost done, and, and here we are. But um, great, you could join us. I'm Michael, one of the pastors here at Salt Church. If you're joining us online, super uh, thankful that you can do that. We've got that technology, and it's working. So uh, praise God for that. Um, we're going to have a look at the Bible. I'm going to. Talk to you about the first, the events of the first Christmas in a second, but I want to start by talking about something central to Christmas, joy. Uh, central to Christmas is joy, and I want to introduce you to two famous people who've got a lot of authority when it comes to joy. Uh, done a lot of research when it comes to joy. Um, the first one is a lady called Marie Kondo. Have you heard of her? I don't know how fashionable she is anymore, but about five years ago, super famous, I think that was the peak of her fame, I think it was about 2015-16, famous for all her books, all her videos, her her YouTube channel, all about how to declutter your life, Uh, declutter your house. Who who wants to learn how to do that Uh, after Christmas when you just gather a little bit more stuff? Uh, Really helpful. Um, some people say that I haven't taken her seriously enough when they come to my house. Um, if you've got a messy house, messy garage, here's the answer. You need Marie Kondo. What she says is, you, what you need to do is you gather all your belongings, and I'm not speaking from experience, right? Um, gather all your belongings uh, in categories. So all your clothes, all your tools, all your sporting equipment, whatever it is, um, go through each category Go through one, one category at a time, um, one item at a time, and work out whether that item sparks joy for you. Uh, does it spark joy for you? So hold each item in your hand, um, and she says, um, look at how your body's responding. Okay? I've watched, I've watched the video. Um, uh, does... Your, does every part of your body, every cell in your body go up with joy as you hold on to the thing? Or does it go down? Uh, what's, what's your body telling you about this item? I actually reckon I'd lose a lot of items. <laughs> uh, do that with every item. She said it looks weird, it feels weird, but after a while you'll work it out uh, and you'll have a house full of items that spark you joy. So what do you reckon? Are you going to give that a go? Uh, who's brave enough? Um, I, I reckon I could just have this massive council clean-up. <laughs> uh, things that don't spark me joy, I need to clean up. But here's a second guy, a guy called uh, Isaac Watts. Now, he's got an incredibly serious look on his face, hasn't he? So you kind of... Is he talk, going to talk to us about joy? Um, he, uh, 300 years ago, he was a giant in the popular music industry. Uh, he was an Englishman. Uh, they actually called him the godfather of English hymn writing. You know, he wrote 750 hymns. And I don't think there were 700, like, hundreds that just got tucked away. I think there were, a lot of them were hymns that churches used for decades and even centuries. Even some of the classics that we sing today, 
come from this guy, uh, Isaac Watts. I reckon if you're a follower of Jesus, you should really get to know Isaac Watts and his songs, because when you get to heaven and you meet Isaac, uh, he's going to ask you, what did you think of my songs? You know, what did you, what did you, did you, and it's going to be embarrassing if you go, what songs? Uh, now, fam- most famous carol, a uh, most famous song that he sung, it wasn't a Christmas carol, uh, was Joy to the World. Uh, so make sure you listen, listen to that, the words of that as I go through it tonight. We look at Luke 2, we're going to sing it at the end. Uh, it's, it's famous as a Christmas carol, and, and you'd think that he, would, he wrote it from the Gospels, from the biographies of Jesus' life. But you know, he actually wrote it from a psalm. He actually wrote it from the psalm that was read out uh, by Matt for us tonight, Psalm 98. If you've got your Bibles there, flick back to Psalm 98. It feels like a, a funny place to go on Christmas Eve, um, but it's really, really uh, exciting. Psalm 98 is what he saw was an amazing thing to come that finds its fulfilment in Jesus. And so he writes a carol, he writes a song that Psalm 98 centred on Jesus. Uh, Have a look, Psalm 98. Uh, Look at what the psalmist is saying is going to happen. Sing to the Lord, God's going to give us a new song. Uh, He's done marvellous things. Uh, Look what God will do, God's right hand and his holy arm, verse 1, will work salvation for him. Uh, the Lord has made known his, sal- his salvation, he's revealed his righteousness to the nations. He's remembered his love, his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now, I don't think when the psalmist wrote that, he was talking about, look what's happened now. He's talking about the future. And written hundreds of years before Jesus, the psalmist puts these words down. He sees something huge is going to happen. Something massive that reveals God's righteousness and justice. Uh, God's going to put a new song in the hearts of his people. And so celebrate this above all things. This is the thing that you should get excited about. This is the thing that should bring you joy. And you see it there even in in the psalm. Uh, Look at verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Uh, It goes on. It's basically pull out every possible musical instrument you can find, get the biggest possible band and sing about this event because it's worth it. In fact, look at from verse 7, let all of creation sing about this. Let all of the world, every part of the creation sing, the the sea, the rivers, the mountains, let them sing for joy. In fact, let the whole world and everyone who lives in it sing with joy about this thing that's about to happen. And so what does Isaac Watts do? He says, I'm writing joy to the world because he rightly sees this big moment of salvation, this big thing that's about to happen, finds its place in Jesus. It's actually when Jesus enters the world that it happens. There's the biggest of all events. There's the person who sparks the most joy out of all in in the world, the birth of Jesus. And so listen, uh, look at the... The first verse of Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Very, very similar to Psalm 98. And that's exactly what, the, uh, what Luke says in Luke chapter 2. So flick over to Luke chapter 2 
And you'll see, this is not just Isaac Watts making it up. It's actually what happened. It's in the historical accounts in Luke chapter 2 on that first Middle Eastern Christmas. So take your minds back to that moment. And you'll notice in the reading that we had from Luke chapter 2, the first emotion isn't joy, it's actually terror. Did you notice that? There are the shepherds uh, out in the fields at night, minding their own business or minding their own sheep. Um, The angels appear to them and they are terrified. The glory of the Lord shines around them. The greatness of the Lord is, is with them. It's not even saying God appears. It's just the greatness of the Lord. Something huge is going on. They are absolutely terrified, as you would be. And then look at what the angels say in verse 8. It's what the angels always say. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news up there on the screen that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now, there's two things that I don't think we normally put together. A king and great joy. How can a king also bring great joy? Uh, That's what the angels are saying. Your king is here and that is a very, very good thing. I wonder, as you think about kings, how excited are you about a king? How excited do you get about Prince Charles taking the throne? Uh, Saddam Hussein. It's, It's really easy, isn't it, to think of bad kings. In fact, I reckon we're pretty sceptical of even prime ministers or presidents that have no, nowhere near as much authority as a king. And here are the angels overjoyed that a king has come. See, so what does Luke report there? A great company of the heavenly hosts shout praise and glory to God. What do the shepherds do? They, they down tools, they go into Bethlehem. We've got, to, we've got to see this king that's arrived. How is it that he is so good that the angels are singing about him? Uh, Later in the chapter, Mary and Joseph are astonished. Their son, their baby boy, is the good king. Think about being overjoyed. When was the last time you were overjoyed? I I don't mean just happy or pleased. Uh, You made the perfect dish, you finished the project, you washed the car, you're happy with yourself, you're proud, proud of yourself. When were you overjoyed? When were you bursting with joy and excitement? When, when was that moment when you, deep down in, in your soul, you just said, yeah, this is the moment. I feel joyful. I feel happy and pleased with my life and I'm satisfied. It takes a really special gift to get to that point, doesn't it? In fact, most gifts don't come anywhere near it. It doesn't matter how big the gift is, how expensive the gift is that you're getting tomorrow... I don't think you'll be bursting for joy for long. But what is the gift that actually changes your life? It was really interesting uh, to read the comments on Marie Kondo's YouTube channel as she's explaining what sparks joy. (laughs) There was a really funny comment that came up and said, um, I have the up feeling that she's talking about when I see the item in the shop and I purchase it, And I have the weighing down feeling when I see the item in my home. (laughs) It's like, it wears off. 
I'm excited, I get it, and then it doesn't live up. It kind of... Well, so many gifts disappoint us, don't they? Uh, so many gifts bring fleeting joy. But here are the angels over, overjoyed, saying, here is something worthy of great joy. And you've got to ask yourself, what is it? What is it that creates joy, lasting joy, in a baby boy who's announced to be king 2,000 years ago? How can he create joy? What is that about? Because I reckon if you work out what that's about, you'll have joy this Christmas. I reckon two big things happen when you find the king, when you realise that Jesus is the king. Two, two big things happen when anyone finds the king who's Jesus. The first one is, when you find the king, you get to worship. You get to worship. You get to worship in the way that you were meant to worship, the way that you were designed to worship. That's what the angels are doing. That's what others are doing in the chapters uh, moving forward in Luke 2. They worship Jesus. They bring honour to him, the glory to him. That's what the massive heavenly host is doing, bring, bring glory and honour to him in the highest. See, one of the most exciting things in finding the king is that you get to worship him. Worship him with your life. Uh, it's actually in the carol. Uh, Isaac Watts, you've got to, got to feel sorry for, for him. He's got very old-fashioned language. Let men their songs employ. Let all people their songs employ. Uh, in other words, let everyone come alive as they see the king. Let them be filled with joy. Joy to the whole world because of Jesus. Let all of creation sing. It was in the psalm, the sea, the mountains. Let all of Wollongong, let, let all of us sing because of Jesus. And it's got to do with all of us being made for a purpose. We're all, we're all being designed to bring honour and glory to Jesus, to worship. It's actually what we're designed for. Now, Lots of us spend a whole heap of time in our lives trying to work out what we're here for, trying all kinds of things. We're here for worship, we just don't realise it's for Jesus, the King. It's, it's actually what our soul longs for, to live for him, to make a big deal of Jesus. And so when you find Jesus, the King, you realise that's what life's about. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for him. I don't know whether you've, you've noticed this. Um, humans love to sing, right? It's actually something within us, something about the soul, the, the giving glory. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to sing, but have you noticed Christians love to sing? Christians love to sing really loud. It's why we're really annoyed with the mass, right? It's why that I was really excited that at Christmas we'd be able to sing without mass. Praise God, we can still sing with mass. But we've actually got someone to sing to. We're singing to the Lord Jesus. And here's another thing. I'm sure you've heard, along with me, I'm sure you've been encouraged to be thankful, to be a person who's thankful. That's a really important thing at Christmas. Um, some people get to Christmas and they reflect on their year, things that have, haven't worked out, disappointments, and, 
It can just be a whole list of negatives. But turn that around and think of things that you can be thankful for. Um, Someone really wise um, once said to me, you know, there's always something you can be thankful for. And so true. But here's the thing. Who are you going to thank? Who are we thankful to? We're thankful to Jesus. But if you don't know the king, you don't actually know who to be thankful to. Who do I thank? And I don't know whether you've heard this before, but I'm sure you have, but some people do some really silly things like being thankful to the universe or thankful to nature or thankful to the stars or you actually become proud because you be, you're thankful to yourself as if all the good things that have come because you've worked hard for them. But when you find the king and when you worship the king, you're thankful to the king. You're thankful to Jesus. In fact, that's a big part of what worship is. Thanking Jesus, praising Jesus, speaking well of Jesus, living for him, the one who deserves it. And it's actually bigger than that. It's actually realising you're caught up into something much bigger than you. Bigger than the everyday, bigger than your life. Jesus' plans, Jesus' glory, bigger than the parties at Christmas, the the gifts, the holidays. This is something that encompasses my whole life. Uh, Knowing and participating in what God is doing in the world is worshipping and worshipping the King. Actually realising my life has a purpose. My My life fits under Jesus the King and his plans and his purposes. I'm designed to praise him, to give thanks to him. And so that's the first thing you want to do when you find the king, you worship him, you get to worship him. How awesome is that? But secondly, when you find the king, you also find your saviour. You also find your saviour. It's there in the angel's announcement. I don't know whether you noticed it in chapter 2, verse 11. The angel says, Today in the town of David... A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, the king is also the saviour. It's in the carol that we'll sing. Joy to the earth, the saviour reigns. The king reigns, but the saviour reigns. Uh, It's in the psalm. Uh, You would have heard that word salvation repeated in Psalm 98. God works. He, he He reaches down with his right hand and works salvation for himself. He's made known his salvation to the ends of the earth through his king, Jesus. You know, it's why the king is so good. Here is the king who's come to save us. Here is the king who doesn't live for himself. Here's the king who's not a tyrant. He won't enslave you. Here's the king who's come to do you good. It's a very different king. In the promises of the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah, you know what he's called? He's called the servant king. He's called the suffering king. This king is different. This king comes to serve. This king comes to suffer. This king will rule us by serving us. This is the king that will show his enormous strength through his weakness as he dies on our behalf. He will show us what real leadership looks like. 
It's about serving. But it's much bigger than that. Here is the king in all his glory who will reveal his glory by being crushed for us, by laying down his life for us at the cross to save us so that we can worship him. So he will actually take the judgment for our sins. He will stand in our place so that we might be forgiven, so that we might worship him as friend, not as enemy. Now, as you think about saving, you might think to yourself, I don't actually think I need a saviour. I think I'm actually doing completely fine without a saviour. But God disagrees with you. God profoundly disagrees with you. God's saying here, no, no, actually, we all need a saviour. That's why I sent my King Jesus. See, why would God send his son, the King, at great personal cost to die if you don't need a saviour? So the king has come, his work is to, to die. And if you know the, the end of the story, it doesn't actually finish there, does it? He doesn't stay dead, he's, al- he's alive, he comes alive. He's actually still king now, still ruling, still desiring worship and honour, still king over the mountains, the seas, the rivers, Wollongong, over you and I. The saviour still deserves worship. It's still what our lives are all about. So as we we finish up tonight, I reckon you've got a choice to make. Which way are you going to go with this king? Which way are you going to go with the king who is the saviour? How are you going to respond to the king who's the saviour this Christmas? It's actually, Christmas is an invitation. Uh, The Bible is an invitation. Uh, It's the invitation that's even in the carol we're about to sing. Listen to these words. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. See, Isaac Watts got the invitation. Let every heart receive him, prepare him room. And so I just want to ask you this Christmas, will you prepare Jesus' room? Will you give him space? How much room will you give him? How much space will you give Jesus? It kind of feels a bit like when a guest comes over to stay, yeah? When a person asks to stay at our place, when we've got a guest and we've got a guest this Christmas and it's my mum, you've got to work out how important is this guest? Where are they going to stay? And I reckon we've got a bit of a hierarchy of rooms in our house. Um, So you can have the back room, the lounge. You could even have a tent out the back. You can't put your mum in the two in the two-man tent in the, back, in the backyard. And then there's one of the, uh, one of the kids going to pull out of their room so that she can sleep there. Or are we going to give up the master suite, you know, with all its luxury? You obviously haven't been to my place. Um, where would you put Jesus? See, my mum's not the king. She's important. We love her. We're going to give her a good room. <laughs> But when King Jesus comes, it's actually the whole house, isn't it? You can't have him in the back room. You can't. He's got to rule the whole house. You've got to invite, you've got to say, yeah, come in. I want you to be my king, my saviour. Let every heart prepare him room. You know, it's, it's going to be really good as we sing that to finish because 
We don't always prepare room for Jesus, even if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while. Isn't it true that so many other things try and capture our heart, our soul, that so many other things say to us, come and worship me, look at me. We can even be in danger of worshipping ourselves. Things take the place of the Saviour, things we don't want to give up. We stray, we worship other things. We don't thank King Jesus uh, through whom every good gift comes. In fact, it's actually easier to ignore the King, isn't it? It's actually easier to ignore the Saviour. It's easier to never find the King. A bit like, you know, tomorrow when you receive a gift, it's actually easier to not know who gave you the gift, to not have to go to the trouble of thanking them. It's just easier to take the gift and run and enjoy the gift. But I don't think you'd say it's better. It's not better. See, finding the King is where real purpose, real joy is found in life. It's what the angels found at this, this very first Christmas. It's what countless people have found every Christmas since. You know, it's what I'm praying you'll find this Christmas as well. Let's, let's pray that we, again, find the King, the Saviour, or maybe find him for the first time. Why don't we pray? Great Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy of Christmas. As we reflect uh, on all the different ways we could be feeling at this point, at this Christmas, we are so thankful that you sent your King, the Saviour. Father, thank you that he is the King who came to serve, to suffer. The one deserving of all glory and honour and praise. The one our lives are about. Lord, help us to submit to him to live for him, to honour him, to come to him and be forgiven by him, to receive joy from him. Uh, Father, please help us not to be distracted. Uh, Help us to live and prepare room for your King, the Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Musos. Let's stand and uh, sing out this uh, well-known carol together. Let's stand.